Hi, my name is Andy. And I'm Taylor. And you're listening to Simply Complex. Simply Complex is brought to you by Studio 71 and the YouTube channel How to Make Everything. Hey, want to go grab some lunch? Yeah. All right, let's go. So our sandwich is okay to eat? Yeah. Hello, uh, can I have a six inch Italian urban cheese? The other day I was driving to the studio and I realized that I had forgotten to eat lunch. I was really in the mood for a sandwich. And that reminded me how this whole process, podcast, YouTube series started with you a sandwich. Together, right? Thanks so much. How many views does that original video have now? Let me check. Uh, over 4.6 million. In today's modern world, we are always in such a hurry. We rarely stop to think about the things that keep the gears turning. On Simply Complex, we explore the people, technologies, items, and processes that, while at one point were considered outstanding, have today become so commonplace, we take them for granted. couple more bites of the sandwiches probably in theory i thought it was a good idea to go get sandwiches and then record <laughs> this podcast but i don't think that's such a great idea how long has it been since you first even started the project started in 2012 what year is it now i think it's 2018 that's six years ago that was a lifetime ago wow simpler times yeah so six years ago i was actually working at a sandwich shop <laughs> really <laughs> yeah i uh, used to work for Herberts and gerberts so I, I paid my dues making sandwiches, and so then I thought it was really funny when, originally when we were connected, it was for a sandwich documentary. Mm-hmm. I was like, how can I say no? <laughs> I've made a lot of sandwiches in my day. So six years ago, I did, would never have thought of making a sandwich completely from scratch, because I had to make it, just assemble it every day. Mm-hmm. You didn't want to do more work? No way. <laughs> no way. No more sandwiches. Uh, so what first inspired you to make this sandwich and this whole project, the process? So, yeah, I think I was just uh, getting into cooking and started getting curious about like what, what it would take to make things further from scratch. I'm like, what if you just kept pushing that envelope? The original idea wasn't even about a sandwich. It was just like a meal. And then uh, I was like looking at different options and I realized like a sandwich is surprisingly complex with all the different things in it, even though it's thought to be pretty simple. But like... It's got bread, it's got meat, it's got dairy, cheese, uh, all the vegetables. Like, it's there's a lot going into it that you don't even think about. I was like, well, I want to think about that, and I want to try and do it. Tell us the story from your perspective about when the sandwich video went viral. It all started the day after my birthday, and uh, so we had just done this whole TV run on a local television here, and we just spent the whole summer trying to produce, I think it was five... Seven. Seven, yes. You know, because you were there. You were up all night with us doing mm-hmm. the audio for it. Uh, so that was a huge amount of work, all kind of on the hope of it turning into something. And then it ended in August, a few weeks before it went viral. And we're just kind of like, well, that, that was a huge waste of time. <laughs> I was feeling pretty down and had, had my birthday. And the next day, I uh, kind of uh, took a shot at the moon. And we talked about doing YouTube and it just seemed like it wasn't really going to be a good fit. Like, we have, like, TV-length episodes, and people on YouTube just watch a couple-minute-long videos usually. So I figured 
if I want people on YouTube to find it and watch it, it needs to be short. So I took the originally 40-minute documentary that I started with, cut it down to three minutes, and threw it on Reddit, just like that's where stuff goes viral. And what do you know? It went viral. <laughs> it totally did. The thing I remember about when I shared your post about it was that in the time that I wrote what my involvement was and posted it, it had gone up 20,000 views. <laughs> and I was like, this is crazy. Because I had been a part of like some songs that blew up and got some pretty good traction before uh, when we're, I was working at the recording studio. But this was just like next level. Just yeah. like went and went and went. Uh, I remember uh, like the default setting for YouTube was for every new subscriber, they would send you an email. So I just like had... A, influx of all these emails this person subscribed this person subscribed this person subscribed so i had to like uncheck that and clear my inbox because i was just getting flooded by that <laughs> it was crazy because it was like a tuesday or something i think i remember it being like a tuesday i think i was helping my brother remodel his house or something and they're like why why are you keep getting distracted I'm like i'm going I'm getting famous. <laughs> Random <laughs> websites are talking about me, and I'm just watching the views come in and in, and like something is happening right now. Through all of that, did you actually learn the history of the sandwich? Yeah. So it comes from this earl in England, the Earl of Sandwich, which I believe is a city, and he liked to play cards, and he liked to eat while he played cards. So he had the idea of, let's put the meat between pieces of bread, and I'll just eat that in one hand, we'll have the cards in the other, and the rest is history. Yeah, and like all great inventors, he did something probably people had been doing it before him, and just put his name on it. Yeah. I wonder if his castle still exists. <laughs> I'll look it up, and I'll tell you at the end of the episode. Yeah, and just the Earl of Sandwiches sounds made up, too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, back to the history of your sandwich. Did it actually take you six months to make? Like, was there more prep time, or when did you start that calendar? Uh, I actually looked at the document, and I like when I very first started brainstorming the idea was in like March of 2012, and I think I spent a couple months just kind of throwing it around. Like, I I had started cooking, and I wanted to uh, was curious, like, what if you made an entire meal all the way from scratch? And I considered a few different things. I wanted to like look into bread and I wanted to look into cheese and things that I was kind of curious about. And I found the sandwich kind of nicely combined everything together in one package. So something that seemed really simple but was really complex. So I, I settled on that and then or it was around May then. And I was, oh, I, I got to start right now and start growing stuff or I have to wait another year. So I just like quickly got a plot at a community garden and started planting. In the original viral video, you listed 16 steps. Yep. The first one you just casually put is grow a garden. Yeah, it's the most important step, the most time consuming. And then you had to get ocean water, make it through airport security, pickle things, milk a cow, riding a cow was a necessity. Uh, you had to pick itchweed or stinging nettle. Mm -hmm. Then you also had to make cheese, and this was step eight. But in the video, it actually said step five again. Yeah, and I'm surprised how few people actually pointed it out. I think they're just so taken away by my adventure. A little bit more like cheese now. And then you had to harvest wheat. Yep. 
pretty sure that's wheat. And you had to make a huge mess. And then oh yeah. Another necessity. Mm -hmm. And then you had to collect honey and be careful. Uh, that was not a step. Uh, then you had to make butter. 13 was make bread. 14 was commit murder. Oh yeah. Which was essential. Mm -hmm. For real. Oh yeah. And then you had to assemble the sandwich and enjoy the sandwich was the last 16th step. Which, did you really enjoy it? I enjoyed being done with it. There was a whole complication at the very end there. Just having it done and having an actual sandwich to show for it was super satisfying. The actual sandwich itself was okay. Some people exaggerate my reaction and say I, it was horrible. He hated it. Like, no, it was it was okay. <laughs> it wasn't bad. I said it's not bad, and I stand by that. So what's good then? Well, I mean, the reason I give it a not bad is because it was a mixture of different things, of, like, things I did really well and things I did less than well. Like, the cheese was a little weird. The mayo, also a little off. Um, the bread was very fresh and, like, freshly harvested wheat that I ground myself, but it was very coarse and didn't have much leavening. Okay. And um, the chicken was very good, but it was very dry because I didn't season it and I didn't save any oil to cook it in. And then the, all the vegetables were really fresh. So it was this weird combination of, like, really good and really bad stuff that made it kind of okay, whereas usually it's more average when it's store-bought stuff. And the sandwich we're eating now tastes way better. Yes. Brought to you by Subway. <laughs> we're still working on that sponsorship deal. <laughs> we're open to terms. <laughs> Besides just corralling all of the, the products and all the, the crops, you did have other challenges as well. Yeah, so I've been doing this with a coworker who was interested in helping me and had gotten so far. But then in the process, I had gotten laid off from my job. And initially, he was still interested in helping. But then later, on this very last day, he called me right before and was like, yeah, I think I'm going to drop off. So I'm not going to be able to make it. And I was like, crap, I like need to do it right now. All my stuff is about to spoil. I need to go and do this now. So I called my friend Daniel and I was like, hey, you doing anything tonight? <laughs> <laughs> and he came over right away. And it took like four hours, I think, to do all the last steps to wrap it up and finally put it together. So it was like late at night, early morning almost, I think, that we like finally had the sandwich and it was done. I could finally taste it. <laughs> <laughs> taste the vegetables of your labor? Yeah. I had no idea that that's how Daniel got involved. I thought like I knew you were friends and you got involved, but I didn't realize he really saved the day. Mm -hmm. And then in return, you almost poisoned him to death. <laughs> that's that's the dramatic retelling of it. So in the process of growing all the vegetables for it, I ended up with a ton of cucumbers that I just kind of made every type of pickle imaginable. When I was done with the film, I had a party and had everybody try all my random pickles. They're like I found the weirdest recipes I could find and then made up some of my own. So I had like cinnamon pickles and uh, ranch pickles and barbecue pickles and... Hmm. Some of them were okay. Some of them were not. But uh, Daniel tried some. I don't think they agreed with him. And he just like kind of randomly disappeared halfway through the party. And later found out he ran outside and vomited and uh, almost died, I guess, or something. I don't know. Well, because there's <laughs> a thing that goes bad in the pickling process that creates botulism. I don't know what that terminology is. I did watch the video that Brian made. Yeah. It was super fascinating. And our favorite form of botulism these days is called Botox, mm -hmm. but 
what because you changed the process for a certain recipe of pickles, and that's what you that's what created the risk, right? There was a risk with my pickles because it's kind of kind of the danger of an amateur trying to figure something out is that they can sometimes cross wires, get things mixed up. That happened with me with the pickles because there's two types of pickles. There's the kind that you use vinegar, and then there's a the kind where you let it ferment and it produces its own acid. You just need salt water. So I went with the salt water option because vinegar can take a really long time to actually produce and ferment and all that and didn't fit with my whole schedule. That was why salt was so important for me to get. So then I was going to do that process. But what I mixed up was how you can it afterwards. Because if you do the fermenting, you need to let it breathe and get oxygen and, and have the uh, bacteria develop and grow in there. But I did the what you do with vinegar pickles, and you seal it airtight, and that can actually cause botulism to occur. So when you seal it up without any sort of acid already in there, it's going to allow bad bacteria to produce uh, potential toxins like botulism, and that will kill you. Okay. Well, I think we should get Daniel's take on this. So let's give him a call real quick and see what he really has to say. All right, Daniel. So Andy just kind of told us how you jumped in at the last minute and saved the day. I want to hear your take on the story. Yeah, so I knew Andy was working on this project for quite a long time. As a matter of fact, I remember going over to his apartment a couple times while he was filming this and seeing random sites. Like one day I came in and he was separating wheat, uh, the chaff from the seeds or something like that. Just this biblical scene of him in his apartment with fans blowing away the chaff and all over his carpet. And it was quite a funny site to go into. So I would see those different sites all the time. But then at the end of his documentary, the person that was helping him film kind of backed out. And so at the last minute, I mean, he was by himself. He had, he didn't have anybody to kind of film that for him. So he's like, Hey, can you film me putting the sandwich together and helping me at the last minute? And so I'm like, absolutely. Like I, I love to help. And so I came in and he was doing all this in his apartment, like literally in his kitchen, he had all these ingredients laid across the counter. He had pickles, he had onions, he had things that looked like uh, fungus, but they were, I guess, tomatoes, uh, just different things spread throughout. And he was desperately trying to get this all together. And he'd be like, yeah, I have this ingredient. I think it's gone bad, but there's nothing I could do. And was trying to throw this all together at the last minute. And I remember we were there probably late into the night, midnight past that. And he finally assembled the sandwich and we just sat down at his dining room table and he uh, took some bites of it. And he was very optimistic. He thought it might actually be good. Of course it wasn't. And uh, so he he had me try it after he had tried it. And I was thinking, okay, maybe this is good because on his face, he's like, yeah, that turned out pretty good. And I took a bite and it was disgusting. It was <laughs> one of the worst things I'd ever tasted. And so I'm like, Andy, how can you even say this is like good in any way? Like, I think he was in denial because that was six months of his life building this thing. Uh, but it was bad. And so something was rotten. I, I remember his cheese tasted very lemony. And that was part of the process he used to make it. Uh, but it, the whole thing just tasted like lemon juice. Oh, I'm and, really glad uh, I didn't try it then. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, but I don't remember if he actually put pickles on the sandwich itself. So I don't remember eating any of the pickles. Maybe I just ate around the pickles. But anyway, so he, at the end of it, had jars and jars and jars of pickles left over. And he had them pickled up on top of his cabinets in his apartment, uh, in his kitchen. And so there was just a wall of pickles. 
And at the time, I loved pickles. Pickles was one of my favorite food. And so I was actually like kind of excited to go try those things. And so I was always asking him, like, when are you going to let us eat those pickles? And so he decided to, uh, when he finished his, his video, his documentary, that he was going to have a party and reveal the, the documentary and also serve pickles to get rid of his cache of pickles. And so I was excited to see the documentary, but honestly, I was more excited to eat the pickles. So uh, I went there very hopeful and I opened up the first jar and I, and I popped the pickle in my mouth, took a bite, and I knew instantly that that was a mistake. Like, <laughs> You ever just bite something and you're like, oh no, like there's something wrong with this. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what it was, and and I, I can't. It wasn't. It didn't taste rotten or anything like that, but it just didn't taste like a pickle. Uh, it tasted like something terrible, something something else. Um, so I, I I ate that pickle and the party just continued, and literally from the moment I bit that pickle to the moment we started watching the documentary, it was probably about a 15-minute span. But over that time, just slowly, I was like, oh, no, like something's wrong. And we're watching the video, and I just start feeling like I'm going to vomit. And uh, and everybody's watching the video. I don't want to interrupt it. I don't want to you know, ruin Andy's night. And so I'm like, I just got to get out of here. So I, I quietly get up. I put on my jacket. I put on my shoes. And, I'm, and I go out of his apartment. I'm all quiet. I don't say anything to anybody. I don't say goodbye. I don't say anything like that. But I go out and I go. Uh, he was on the second floor. So I start going down the stairs. And as I'm going down the stairs, vomit starts coming out. No. And I'm like in the stair. I'm in the stairwell. So I'm like, I can't just throw up here. So I put my hand over my mouth. And I'm trying to choke down the vomit. I'm trying to keep it in my mouth. <laughs> I'm running down the stairs like, Ugh! and I burst out the door and it was like wintertime. So there's snow everywhere. So I just lean over the railing and I barf all in the snow. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And so I'm like, do I go back in the party? Do I just leave? Like, what do I do? And, uh, and I was like, what, you know, my face is covered in vomit. I'm like, what do I do? And I, so I took my mittens that I had in my jacket and I just wiped my face with it and I throw the mittens into the snow. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to take these with me. These are disgusting. <laughs> and, uh, I get in my car and I just, I text Andy. I'm like, Hey man, I just threw up. I'm going to go. And he's like, Oh, okay. I had no idea. I hope you're okay. And I'm like, yeah, I hope I'm okay too. And, uh, <laughs> I uh, I went home. I felt awful all night. I think I might have threw up a couple more times. Uh, it was just a miserable night. And uh, the next day, I was you know it took a little while to recover. But Andy was super nice about it. Tried to you know was concerned about my health and all that kind of stuff. I don't think it was an intentional poisoning. Uh, <laughs> at least I, I can't prove it. But um, so but it, yeah, it took me a while after that to eat pickles again. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't blame I you. loved pickles. No, yeah, yeah. I, I loved pickles, but after that, I was just like, man. But the saving grace is it, it didn't taste like a pickle at all. So the taste of pickles doesn't throw me off. So I, it was, I was okay after a couple of months. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was a bad experience. So, yeah. Do you remember what flavor that one was? It was a sweet pickle, I think. There was some, I don't know if you remember the different flavors, but it was definitely sweet, which probably didn't help. I, I Yeah. Because I assume there was some sort of, uh, yeah, there was something else in there that I'm assuming was off. But nobody else got sick at the party, so I can't, I can't blame the pickles. Maybe it was just like on the one bite I had, there was salmonella or something. I don't know, but yeah, it was sweet. That's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> so how long, like, because he had a couple other food uh, items that came up. Did you try any of those? 
I tried the sandwich, and in the sandwich, I remember the cheese. I remember the bread. The bread was very uh, tough. It was almost like um, like tack board, you know, like where you <laughs> shove tacks into. That's what I can uh, a cork board, you know, something like that. Uh, it wasn't good at all. And then the cheese, like I said, was very very lemony, and that was because of the process he he had making it. I don't remember the meat at all. I think the the chicken was dry, if I'm remembering cor- correctly. Yeah. Outside of that, yeah, all I remember distinctly is the lemon taste. It was like <laughs> lemon and corkboard. That's what it was. <laughs> so, I, did you keep helping him as it like began? I know it turned into a TV show, and that's kind of where I got yeah. involved. But right. uh, what what was your perspective when it kind of all blew up on YouTube? Sure. That. Yeah, yeah. So after he revealed the documentary to uh, friends and family. He entered it into a contest in Minneapolis and so uh, got selected, was in the contest, was in the the, uh, section for food, I believe, food documentaries. And so we had a screening. Uh, I went with him to that screening and that was kind of the first public reveal. And it was uh, accompanied by two other films and his was obviously the best. Obviously. He was the only, yeah, he was the only filmmaker that was actually at the event. So they brought him up after the screening and had him take questions and all that kind of stuff. And he had a lot of interest from the crowd, which I found was interesting because I, I was working on this project for a couple months at, at that point and wasn't sure what the response would be. I mean, there's things in that documentary like Andy taking the head off of a chicken by stepping on it. Um, <laughs> there's just some, there's just some things like that that you're just like, oh, I wonder what people are going to think about this. Um, so it was interesting to see the response that he got and it was a lot of interest. And, and I remember afterwards he had so many people coming up to him asking him, you know, oh, I'd love to show this at my class. I'd love to show this at my work. You know, where is this going to be available? I want to show people this. And I remember he had interest from a couple of people that worked in the TV industry. And, uh, so that was really cool to see immediately after. And, and I remember having conversations with Andy or I'm like, you know, what, what's your dream for this? What do you want it to do? And he was really wanting to get it on TV and get it on, uh, places like PBS or, or what have you. And I remember thinking like, man, I think this actually would be really good on YouTube. Um, and for me, like that was something at the time I was, I was just really into YouTube. I was totally bought in and it was kind of more of the earlier stages of, uh, you know, big streamers or anything like that. Um, Mm-hmm. But I just thought that this format would have been perfect for YouTube and, and uh, Andy was into a couple other channels as well. And so that was something that I think was always on his radar. But I think he first wanted to try getting it into TV. So when he started on TV, it was actually right. I moved out of the state. And so I moved away. And I remember he was first getting it on TV and he was asking, you know, if I wanted to be involved in the project and all that kind of stuff. And it was just at a time in my life where I was moving to a different area. And I was like, man, I'd really love to help and support in any way I can. And so got this uh, left right when it went on TV, but it was, you know, supporting would come back and watch the, the episodes with him and, and that sort of thing. And so, uh, that kind of happened for a year and it was cool, but not a ton of stuff came out of that. And then I remember they started posting their videos on YouTube and then just one day I, you know, obviously I was subscribed to the channel, but one day I checked the, the, the video and it had like 50,000 views and it was the sandwich video. And it was in the morning and I'm like, holy cow, like what happened? And so I'm getting excited. I'm texting Andy like, hey, dude, your, your video is at 50,000. He's like, I know. I don't know what, you know, where it's coming from. And so I'm like, okay, I got to start sharing this. So I'm sharing it on my Facebook. I'm sharing it on Reddit. I'm sharing it everywhere I can. But it's like, it's already blowing up. And, and I was telling friends at work, like, guys, my friend made a video and it has like 50,000 views. And they're like, oh, cool. And I'm like, guys, an hour later, it has 200,000 views. And they're like, oh, wow. And then like an hour later, I'm like, guys, it's almost at 
500,000 views. And it was really cool because I got to see in real time it blowing up. And I was texting Andy and like seeing like, man, this is crazy. And he's like, I know, I don't know where this is coming from. So it was just like lightning in a bottle. It was like, what is happening? And it's cool to see that from an outside perspective. And, and from that point on, I mean, the growth was just rapid. It was, you know, hitting all these markers. He was on the Rachel Ray show. I remember he was on Buzzfeed, all these kind of things. And it was just so cool to see from a distance, all this stuff happening. And I'm like, man, you know, it looks like he's an overnight success, but I knew from from watching him and seeing him for a long time that he had been working on this for years. And, you know, this stuff was hitting because of the hard work he had put in it, into it all those years before. And so it was just really cool to see that. And now, you know, that continued growth. And he's had a couple of videos that have surpassed the sandwich video, which is really cool. And so it's just been awesome to see that from afar and, and being able to support him through Patreon and those different channels that they have um, has been awesome on my end. Well, you're awesome, Daniel. I know you've helped us out with the podcast a little bit. So I thank you for it, and I can't wait to have you do more for us as you can, and it'll be awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to help. It's it's where you guys are heading. is pretty exciting. Um, I was trying to think of any other, like, fun stories or questions, because this, this episode is kind of revolving around the Sanders video and kind of the start of how to make everything. Um, yeah. Did you have your hands in any of the other projects? <sighs> um... I mean, I've, I, I, it's because I live in Wisconsin now, so I live in, in uh, the Milwaukee area. So we're always looking for opportunities for Andy to come visit and what videos he can make in this area. So there was the uh, coffee series where he was making a latte from scratch. And so I looked in this area and saw that there was a latte making uh, latte art competition. And so he came and we got him signed up for that. Of course, he didn't know anything about making latte <laughs> art. Um, <laughs> So the hilarity of that it was awesome. And so he came and we, we entered him into that competition and he did that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, he had me recant my pickle story in a video. Um, and the thing about that video is I said that he grew pickles and I got chastised in the comment section for saying that he grew pickles. Of course, he grows cu cu cucumbers. I know that now. Well, I knew that then too. I just misspoke. But, uh, so that was... That was fun. Uh, but yeah, that, that's kind of the two, the three projects I've been involved in um, from afar. I do, I will say also, when he came and visited me for that latte art video, on the way back, he filmed that cranberry video where he fell face first into the cranberries. And that is my favorite video to this day. Uh, <laughs> watching him face plant in those cranberries. It's my happy place. Whenever I'm sad, I will watch that video and I will start crying in joy. <laughs> I remember I found, like, I was searching, I forget which, one of the other videos, I think it was, like, the suit or one, like, a little bit later on in the original TV series that had blown up. And I, like, was, so I was, like, Googling how to make everything and and to see what would happen. And then a buddy of mine sent me a GIF on Imager or whatever it's called. Yeah. And it had two million views, and it was just Andy falling into the cranberry bog. <laughs> I mean, I love it. If that was your legacy, I think I'd you I'd be proud of that. Like that alone, <laughs> just bringing joy. To that everybody. was a classic moment. <laughs> that's funny. So, were you there at the cranberry farm too? I wasn't. That's. I mean, that's my biggest regret in life oh. was that I wasn't there in person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I helped you make the 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 press that you made. Uh, oh yeah, something. I don't remember. What did you make with that? Uh, the vegetable oil for the mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you just made it out of, like, piping and stuff out of your dad's uh, tool shed. Yeah. 
and you like try to squeeze it together and try to get micro bits of oil by like scraping the sides every <laughs> like two seconds, trying to get whatever you could. And I was just thinking like, man, this is never going to work. <laughs> like it looks yeah. difficult in the videos, but like it's way more fun to hear like how hard it was. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and that's the thing about this is all these projects, like you might think that Andy researches and, and, and knew everything about it and had like a really detailed plan in place. But in the beginning, like he was just, trying these things and 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 you'd find one little instruction on, online and just start making it and it would look so terrible and it would <laughs> not work at all but he would find a way to make it work somehow i mean some of the early products didn't come out exactly as planned but, but <laughs> i mean he truly didn't have any idea what he was doing and was just trying things and from the outside looking in as someone who knew him, it was just like, this stuff is never going to work. Like, what is he doing? And he would find a way to make it work. Story of my life. (laughs) (laughs) So stepping back now, how do you compare the original sandwich project to the evolution of the, how to make everything series and where we are today? Sandwich was kind of the origin story. It's what, got me in this whole way of viewing the world, of deconstructing it and trying to make it myself as a way to understand it. And after I finished it, I was like, I want to keep doing this. I want to apply it to other things. That's why the next thing I went to with clothing when I made my suit from scratch, which was a whole other challenge. We'll save that for another podcast episode. Yeah, and not just BuzzFeed picked up that one, but GQ had stuff to say about your suit. Yeah, they call that pretty horrible. Yeah, (laughs) That's actually one of my favorite things to bring up. (laughs) GQ said I made a horrible suit. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a different episode. You mentioned earlier that when you went towards this, you were kind of having a career in mind. Yeah, kind of my motivation for starting this was that I had been working for a few years in a job doing advertisements that was very unfulfilling. And like I wanted to produce the type of work people wanted to watch, not the stuff they're trying to fast forward through. So this was kind of an opportunity, an idea of a way to do it. I didn't really want to be the one that was on camera. It was just kind of, I didn't know anybody else who was willing to go through all this work. So I was like, I guess I'll do it myself. Then it was kind of done with that hope. And then from there we got, it actually took me two years to even finish it. So I just kind of shot the whole thing, got it done, and then Kind of got distracted by other things in life, not having a job. And uh, and at some point you traveled the world alone. Yeah. I've been planning on doing that for a while and been saving money. And then I got laid off. And I was like, well, I should just do it. <laughs> so I did it. <laughs> and to just travel the world for five months, uh, living as cheaply as possible and made it around and had lots of fun experiences. Um, and then when I came back, I was like, I should probably do something with this and finish it off. And then I like took a whole another year, finally like decided, okay, I'm going to put it into a local film festival. So that's my end goal. And, like, that's what pushed me to actually finally finish it and get it submitted. And that kind of put it into motion the TV show and that opportunity later, which didn't go anywhere, but eventually led to putting that content we produced for it onto YouTube, which is now what I do. So it all worked out. I got the job I wanted, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the show tends around this idea that it's really hard if one guy tries to do everything themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you always run into these 
challenges and even through this whole process, uh, just knowing you, there's been times where you're like, I need to give this up. I don't know if this can actually support me. Mm -hmm. But what kind of keeps you going? Kind of just fluke accidents happen. We're like, I was about ready to give up after the TV show wasn't going anywhere. And then we went viral. I was like, oh, maybe this can be something. And then it kind of died off after that. And just we kind of drug around, not really producing much. And then we're like, okay, let's just give it one more push. And then it started to like blow up again after we started doing glasses. Uh, it was like two years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is it's finally turning into something. Things kind of slowed down again. It's like a fluke accident. Uh, shot an email to King of Random. And like, oh, yeah, he's done to collaborate. Like, okay, well, let's do a whole trip. And then that kind of gave us another boost. And and then things kind of start to die down again. And then this summer, like, things were starting to die down. Mm-hmm. We'd just gotten a studio. Like, we're, like, feeling like maybe this is good. And then, like, things start to slow down again. And, like, we're going to be a little tight on money. Um, and then the whole Obsidian Sword went viral. And that was a whole other deal. And that blew this sandwich video way out of the water. Yeah, and that was interesting in its own regard because it went viral in a totally different way where the sandwich was, like, picked up by media and pushed by them. This Obsidian casting was just pushed by YouTube. And I, I don't know what happened there. Something aligned right, and uh, a lot of people liked it initially, and then uh, they started recommending it a lot, and it got, uh, it's like almost 12 million now, mm-hmm. um, blowing the sandwich one way out of the water. And... Uh, has definitely put a little more wind to our sails. Okay, first when you started the video, you're like, I want to make a meal completely from scratch. Mm -hmm. And then to finish the video, you found this film festival that you needed to finish it by. Mm -hmm. With that kind of as the launching point, do you have a next bench step that you want to reach with the series? Um, I think in the back of the mind, like the biggest benchmark was the the long-term stability thing, which... I feel like we're mostly reached. It's it's so hard to tell with YouTube though, because like something will blow up or things will start to die down. So I think just like having things level out to something consistent that I know like I can keep doing this and not have to worry about paying rent or whatever. So and that's my biggest goal going forward. I don't know if that's as interesting for other people. <laughs> it's kind of behind the scenes. Um, no, but every project is still super personal and it relates to you at that level. Yeah. Of like where you're like, well, I got to do another cool project that's interesting to watch so I can pay my rent. Yeah. And that's a huge thing. Like as I pursued music, that was a huge benchmark for me. I was like, I want to be able to afford this and not worry about it. Yeah. And that's, I don't know, I've talked to more entrepreneurs too and they're all, yeah. all kind of like, yeah, I had, it was basically I wanted to make this much a month or this much a week. Mm-hmm. And then they started making the steps, and you took those steps super early, just banking on this. Yeah, and and now it's like working for you. Yeah. Um, what are some of those steps that you're taking to make it more of a long term viable solution to rent? Uh, <laughs> I think just kind of expanding our content. Pretty much whenever we have a, a spike, we always just kind of reinvest it. Like our initial going viral. We put that money into going to Mexico to do a bunch of our my favorite content that we've done so far, the coffee and chocolate. Um, and then um, from this Obsidian video, we're kind of trying to stabilize things. Like we already got the office here, and that is already helping us kind of stabilize it. So like having a good work-life balance and being able to do everything under one roof has very much streamlined our process. So I think that's our biggest thing going forward is just uh, 
having it all here and having, making it smooth. So what are you looking forward to the most now that you have the space and we're looking at projects for the rest of this year and then into next year? I think just as we develop a space, it's opening the door for more complex things. Um, and I think which is just interesting in general is that when I first started out, like I just made a sandwich. I never thought I'd be doing things like glasses and cameras. And now I am. <laughs> so, that, I mean, that's the biggest thing right now is the camera project. Uh, I, I got a batch of glass cooking right now um, mm -hmm. to try and make a lens next. And uh, so that's going to be one of our most technologically advanced ones. And uh, it's only going to go up from there, hoping to get into, like, digital um, electronics and maybe someday even, like, build a computer and a microphone. You can do a podcast from scratch. That would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but at the same time, I'm trying to make, uh, how to make everything be more than just me. Like we have a, a four person team, um, sometimes five when you're doing the podcast now, but oftentimes it's still, it's still just me who's making things and making things happen. And, uh, so I'm trying to make it grow beyond, beyond just us even, and include our community, build that community and have it grow into kind of just a mentality of, uh, wanting to make things to understand the world better. So what's one thing that our audience could do to kind of help grow and become a part of the team? Um, yeah, I mean, just liking and sharing the videos. And uh, you can even join us on Discord, the new channel just started up uh, a couple months ago. And uh, I'll like, answer your questions. You can give suggestions. You can help me do research and just a lot more interaction and a, a much more engaged community there. Thank you, everybody who's listened today. We had a lot of fun putting this together. To me, it's really fun to revisit the whole process. Mm -hmm. And for you, I get to, see, I had to learn all these secrets that I never knew. I need to bring back all my traumatic memories. <laughs> Thanks, Taylor. You're welcome. I've been trying to repress them. Thank you for listening today. If you want more details, please head over to makeeverything.tv forward slash simply complex. If you want to send something to us, snail mail style, our P.O. Box is How to Make Everything, P.O. Box 14104, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55114. Thanks to Daniel and the rest of the team. Also, thank you to Brandon McFarlane for handling the mixing and editing for us this week. Thanks again for all your support. See you next time. Hey, Andy, I figured out where John Montague, the Earl of Sandwich that invented the sandwich, actually lived. Yeah? Where's that? It wasn't a castle. It's called Hinchingbrook House. It's now a school because Victor Montague, which is like the grandparents of the current Montague family, moved out of there in 1956. There were some title changes and political things that went on. But yeah, Hinchingbrook, the original estate of the Earl of Sandwich, is now a school. But do they serve sandwiches there? I would hope. I would hope.